Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue in our Sermon on the Mount series with Matthew 5, 31 and 32. The topic Jesus addresses here is divorce. Pastor Jim will wrap his arms around what Scripture says about divorce here and elsewhere so that by the end of the week, you'll have a good understanding of God's perspective on marriage and divorce. Here's today's piece of the sermon entitled, Jesus on Divorce. And why they chose that subject for their question to try to trick Jesus is significant. There was a rabbi named Shammai. He's the guy that invented that thing that'll absorb all the water when you wash your car. Um, well, actually, Shammai, not Shammy. But see, now you'll remember it, right? Rabbi Shammai and his followers emphasized that word uncleanness in Deuteronomy 24. And so they said the only cause for divorce would be nothing less than the equivalent of porneia, even though if it actually was porneia, they should have been executed. So it had to be some kind of a sexual relationship. That was the teaching of Shammai and his followers. There was a rabbi named Hillel and his followers who just kind of skimmed over the word uncleanness, because after all, that's kind of ambiguous. They camped on the phrase, find no favor in his eyes. If she finds no favor in his eyes, let him give her a certificate of divorce. So they allowed divorce for nearly any reason. Stated among Hillel's examples and rabbis that followed in his footsteps, reasons you could get a divorce was burning a meal. How many marriages would last past the first six months? Um, Careless seasoning of food, finding a woman the husband liked better than the one or more beautiful. If she violated the law of Moses, she caused her husband to eat food that she had not tithed upon, breaking a vow, going into the street with her hair loose, (gasps) conversing with any other man. Or being a noisy woman, which is defined as speaking in her own house loudly enough for the neighbors to hear. So they could divorce any Italian woman without any other need for explanation. Now, which of those two views do you think was more popular? It's pretty obvious. But scribes and the Pharisees, boy, they were the tough ones. They were probably uh, Shammai followers. Well, Jesus in the face of them trying to suck him into saying something where anything he said about divorce would have angered half the crowd. It was, it was diabolically brilliant of them to choose this subject, but it was um, marvelous of Jesus to answer it the way he did. He said, well, why don't you go back and talk about marriage? came about it in a completely different way. They were arguing over ways to get out of marriage And Jesus said, when that subject comes up, change the subject. 
go back to the sanctity of marriage. Go back to what God designed. There's a big difference between debating divorce and calling people to do a marriage the right way. Now, the same principle is true today. If you worry about whether or not you can get a divorce rather than working on your marriage wholeheartedly, you're not going to succeed in your marriage. When you don't focus on positive obedience to God's standards and you leave your mind open to thinking that you can bail out, you won't have the commitment to solve problems. When I talk to someone who wants to get married, if there is a divorce in their background, before I will commit to it, I want to hear a really solid, thought-out, thoroughly discussed answer to the question, how do you know neither of you is going to bail out? What, what, what have you put in place that's going to make you stand on the sanctity of marriage rather than looking for the loopholes for divorce? Jesus emphasized that divorce is a deviation from the ideal. And he said it is permitted only because of the sinfulness of man, which he calls hardness of heart. Now, as with other passages in Matthew 19, remarriage is assumed to be the normal course of events. And as with the Sermon on the Mount passage, Jesus says again in, Mark, in Matthew 19 that adultery is the only allowable reason for the dissolution of a marriage because that trashes the marriage covenant. When you stand before God and say, I will do this and I will be committed to all 16 of my spouses, four better, four worse, four richer, four poor. When someone trashes that covenant in the sight of God, God hates that. But lest one person be systematically, permanently victimized by that under certain circumstances, God allows divorce. Now, don't worry. I've also read 1 Corinthians 7. Also, don't worry. I'm not going to take you through 40 verses of 1 Corinthians 7. But God does state another reason for divorce. 1 Corinthians 7 addresses the issue of um, a spouse described as an unbelieving one being unwilling to continue a marriage to a believer. Now, the clearest example of that is two people get married, and then one of them gets saved and changes. And the other one says, that's not what I signed up for. I'm out of here. Okay, in that case, let them go. All right? But it also says, do not send your spouse away. Responsibility of any Christian is... Do not drive that other person away. Remain committed to that marriage. So, understand, Jesus in no place gave the full New Testament teaching on divorce. God used Paul to supplement what Jesus said, but Paul never gave the full New Testament teaching on divorce. There's no place in the Bible that you could file under the heading all about divorce and remarriage. That can be frustrating, but don't let that bother you. That's why we have to do systematic theology. 
You have to put together everything that God says in all of those contexts. There's no place in the Bible that says, here is all about the Trinity. But we understand the Trinity is taught in Scripture, right? There's no place in Scripture that tells you everything about the person and work of Jesus Christ. There's no place in Scripture that tells you everything about the doctrine of the church. We have to put it all together. Now, after hearing what Jesus said in Matthew 19, his disciples got the very strong message. Remember, they were under the teachings of the, of the you know, Pharisees. And I'm sure they had heard about all the ways that you can find the loopholes and get out of your marriage. And they heard what Jesus said and they said, Wow, marriage is an extremely serious commitment. Don't go there. And then Jesus said famously, well, you understand, it's not for everybody. Most people are going to get married, and God does want us to continue the human race. So, in a sense, you would say, Rabbi Shammai was at least partially right. He was certainly a lot closer to biblical than was Rabbi uh, Hillel. And you might also notice that, again, Jesus taught that divorce was never commanded only permitted in certain cases because of hardness of heart. Now, one other comment about the teaching of Jesus on marriage, not from either of those passages, but in Mark 10, verses 1 through 12, Mark records the same event that is recorded in Matthew 19. It's a, it's a parallel passage. But in Mark's passage, the pronouns he includes are different, and they indicate the woman has exactly the same obligations and exactly the same rights as a man when it comes to maintaining a marriage. And now that's something unique about Christianity. In most cultures um, prior to, and even many today, other than uh, where Christianity has had an impact, women don't have that equality, but they do, biblically speaking. Now, is that heavy enough for you? Anybody got spiritual goosebumps? Um, Anybody want to just shout hallelujah? I I don't think so. I said, this isn't fun to talk about. But let's make some applications because this is practical. So let me ask you, first of all, anybody here, are you contemplating marriage? Don't need to raise your hand. Don't worry about it. But you're not married. You hope to be married sometime. If so, and if you're to the point of it's actually potentially real for you, I want to tell you, you stand on the brink of the most wonderful relationship on earth. And I say that with 48 years of experience personally to back that up. But if you are planning to enter that with the thought that you know, it's, it, it, it's kind of like buying a car. You mean well, but if you get a lemon, you can get rid of it. You know, what if you marry a lemon? Well, look, I, I promise you, she's getting a lemon if you're not one. I, I mean, if you don't think she's one. Because any marriage you enter into is going to start with two big problems, the boy and the girl. So if you enter that relationship thinking, well, if it doesn't work, I can get out. I beg you, stay single. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.